Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 says, Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Tonight, we're going to get to hear from two people um, who the Lord has sent this summer into the harvest. And they served um, in two different places for two different amounts of time, but they obeyed that call from the Lord to go into the harvest. Um, so tonight, as they share, I want to encourage each of you to listen in um, to what they have to say. We know that some of us are called to go, but all of us are called to share in God's heart for the nation. So I encourage you all to lean in and listen to what the Lord is going to teach you tonight. Um, so would you all introduce yourselves and tell us what you did this summer? I'm Anna. I'm a senior, and I was in Morocco um, just doing outreach and um, partnering with the missionaries that live there. And I'm Caleb. Um, I spent a week over in Denver, Colorado, um, ministering to kids, and another group of our team, they went and helped um, build up a local center and school. So, Yeah, y'all give them a hand for Anna and Caleb. All right, so before we dive in, <laughs> Anna, you're next. Before we dive into hearing what y'all did this summer, I would love just to share for a second. Anna, will you share with us just so we can be on the same page? Why does God care about the nations? Why should we care about the nations? Yeah, God cares about the nations ultimately because he cares about people. Um, every single person is created for a purpose in his image. And um, like we've all sinned, we've all messed up. And so his plan for redemption for the world is for every person. Um, like it says in John 3, 16, like he loved the world so much. That includes every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Um, but his last command to us before Jesus ascended back to heaven was to go and preach the gospel. Um, so God's given us that command, and that's something that we're supposed to live out as Christians. Absolutely. Caleb, for you, how did, what would that look like for you to know that you were called to go this summer? So it's kind of funny, actually. There wasn't this, this point where I was like, I need to go. Um, but the college ministry, they, uh, they were going on this trip to Denver, and all my friends from here, um, they were all like, hey, we're all going to Denver for this mission trip. And, you know, me, I didn't go to school uh, in Memphis at the time. I was like, I want to go. Like, all my friends are going. Um, but it kind of got ruled out because I wasn't on the leadership team. And um, eventually there wasn't enough spots filled up, so Daniel, the college pastor, was like, hey, you know, if anybody knows anybody that wants to go, uh, drop their name. And just like that, um, my name was put on the list, and I was going. Um, so, yeah, and then just, you know, coming to that realization of like, oh, I'm actually going to do missions. Um, and then just going through with that obedience of just going and doing what the Lord wants. Yeah, absolutely. And I know also that played, um, that trip was very impactful on your life. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, this past summer, for those of you who don't know, uh, and I'll go more into it later, but I didn't go to school here. And this summer I was battling whether I should come back or not. And um, that trip was just the confirmation that me and my family needed um, for me to go full-blown ministry and come back home and come be with you guys. Um, so that ultimately made one of the biggest decisions of my whole life, I would say. That's incredible. Yeah, give me a hand. Um, Anna, for you, how did you know you were called to spend a whole summer in a different country? 
I've known that I wanted to do missions for a while, um, but specifically for this trip, my sister um, was the one who told me about it. She, like, goes to the school that uh, planned all of it, but when I first heard about it, I wasn't interested hardly at all because it's pretty much my whole summer, um, but I told her that I would pray about it, and after praying about it, the Lord um, confirmed to you. was like, I've already called you, and this is your chance to go and live out that calling. Um, and so I took that step of obedience, and I'm very glad I did. <laughs> I love that. Um, for you to go for a summer, you had to miss a lot of fun summer things, some classic things you've done your whole life. What did that look like to pray through with the Lord? Was that a hard decision? Was that it easy? was kind of hard. I remember, like, my biggest thing was SLU. I didn't want to miss SLU, but I texted my sister, and I was like, this is, like, the one thing that I just really want to do. And she's like, you can either go to SLU and learn about all of these leadership things or you can do Fusion Impact and learn about them and immediately apply it. And you're going to spend your summer with people who actually care to be doing missions overseas. And I was like, you got a point. So, wow, that's impactful. Was it worth it? Absolutely. <laughs> um, so then for you, Anna, what did you actually do this summer? So we, um, every day, like we had four girls on my team, two guys. Um, we would pair up and then go out and just like walk the streets and try to meet English speakers. Um, where we were, it was like all Arabic people. And so like you don't speak the language for 90% of them. But the few that we met that spoke English, we would um, just get to know. And since we were American, they thought we were like celebrities or something. <laughs> and so it was easy to start conversations. And eventually we'd share the gospel with them. Um, and we actually had a few girls uh, that ended up getting saved, which is very, very exciting. Caleb, what did, Sorry. Caleb, for your team this summer, for that week in Denver, what did that look like practically? Yeah, so um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Denver is what they call an unreached people group, which means less than, I think it's 2% of the people there have accurately heard the gospel. Um, like, that's in our nation. That's a, it's a four-hour plane ride away. And so we went there, and our thing was we were going to do like a, a bougie VBS is what we called it, right? They got Chick-fil-A catered in instead of pretzel sticks. Uh, they played soccer instead of, like, you know, walk the line, you know, those little rec games. Um, but we did, we ministered to these kids, and a lot of these kids had never even heard who Jesus was, let alone the gospel. So when we said, Jesus died for your sins, they're like, wait, our, what's a sin? You know, like, I heard my parents said that nobody goes to hell, you know, and they were, like, asking these really hard questions, and so we went there, and, you know, we each had our own grade, but we got to preach the word and, like, I won't say dumb it down, but simplify it to where kindergartners can understand it, and it was really cool um, ministering to these kids and then them going home, telling their parents about it, and now their parents have questions, and so we got to go and... For none of, none of those kids were saved beforehand. We watched, I think it was 20 kids get saved that, that week, and, um, which is unheard of. We were going in expecting maybe one kid to ask a question about salvation. We saw 20 kids get saved, and we saw, I want to say they said five families start coming to church uh, in attendance. So it was a really cool week. And we had a different group that like renovated a whole school, but that's a, that's a different story. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. Um, and Anna, I know you had mentioned a really sweet story from the summer. Would you like to share that as well? Yeah. So one of the girls that um, we met, and she ended up getting saved, but um, it's like the way we met her is such a God thing. So Emily and I, Emily Baker's also on my team, we were paired up one day going out grocery shopping, 
Um, and we met this girl grocery shopping through a man that was like, hey, she speaks English. And we're like, okay. So we walked up and got her number. And immediately she was like, do you want to come to my village? Like, do you want to hang out with me? And I was like, okay. Um, so we texted her. She never responded. And I didn't know why. But um, we left that city for a few days and went back to um, the grocery store a couple weeks later. Uh, at that point, we had had no contact with this girl. I was like, she fell off the face of the earth. We're never going to see her again. And that's just how it is. But we were in that grocery store, me and Emily again, um, looking for some things, and we were struggling because everything's in Arabic. And so uh, I was like, I really wish that girl was here that spoke English. Not even 30 seconds later, she walked up to us and was like, hey, I remember you guys. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, and so we invited her to eat lunch with us. Emily got to evangelize with her, and uh, we started talking through some questions that she had. Um, we found out she had already rejected Islam and was seeking. Um, and so my team leader and Emily met up with her that night, and some other people on my team got to meet with her throughout the weeks. But our very last week there, we lost contact with her for about another week and a half. Um, but our last week there, we finally got in touch with her, and we were like, do you want to come get dinner with us? We're about to leave in a few days. And so she came over, got dinner with us, and was like, I have questions. And so we were like, okay, what are your questions? Um, and she was like, I've been thinking about it, and like, how do I join? I just want to join. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. Um, so we got to sit there and open our Bibles and walk through what being a believer is like, and um, we told her that like her family's not going to like her for this, and she was like, I don't care. I'm going to tell my mom. I'm going to tell my siblings. I'm going to tell my friends that Jesus changed my life, and I was like, yes, ma'am. Um, so yeah, that night she prayed to receive Jesus and, uh, we all had a dance party afterwards. And, um, right before we left, we got to connect her with the missionary there and see them start discipleship. So praise the Lord. Y'all give a hand for that. <laughs> My goodness. I think it's so cool that even though y'all lost contact with her so many times over the summer, the Lord kept after her and the Lord pursued her. And eventually the Lord involved y'all in getting to see the fruit of what he was doing. So I love that. Um, one final question before we go into our next segment. Um, for those in the room who are in high school or maybe they're leaders and they're thinking about this next season of their life and just wondering where God might have them, if they're considering missions, if they're starting to feel a tug on their hearts, what encouragement would you guys give them? Find somebody that's been through it and ask a lot of questions. Um, see how you can get involved now. And I know they're going to talk about later something called Send Out. Um, I don't know if y'all have heard of Send Out training, but it is a really good um, <laughs> Sydney, Sydney knows. Has. Um, and it's, it's a really good program if you're considering missions. And um, even as teenagers, there's still things that we can do. Like, if y'all want to do Fusion Impact, let me know and I'll get you connected. Um, there's other mission trips through Bellevue and through other organizations that are for high school students. So definitely consider those. Awesome. Anything you would add, Caleb? Um, so the, the group that was kind of over us, they were called Jensen, and it's college students who do basically that, but it's within America. And um, their biggest thing was, if you feel like God might be calling you to go, go. Because, you know, what, what does Steve Gaines always say? I know it's the Lord telling me, because I, I sure know it wasn't Satan. So if you feel like maybe God might do it, you know, that's what, that's what brought me here. That's what brought people from Virginia, North Carolina, all these other places to Denver, Colorado. And the Lord rewards obedience. So, Amen. Y'all give a hand to Anna and Caleb. Thank y'all so much for sharing with us tonight. And then Lane and Hunter are going to come up and lead us in our next time. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm going to read Matthew 9, 35 through 38 one more time. 
It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the, har- ask the, Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And what, this, uh, what Jesus is telling us there is that, one, we need to pray for the Lord to send workers into the harvest field, uh, into the mission field, but we also need to be willing to go ourselves. And one thing I know a lot of y'all know, remember Christian Castellano, who's getting ready to go to the mission field. One thing that he says, uh, he has a reminder in his phone every morning set for 937, and every time the clock hits 937, uh, he prays for the Lord to send people into the harvest field. And a lot of where these people go is to unreached people groups, what Caleb was just talking about. Uh, And an unreached people group is a group uh, or a country, a group of people, uh, where there's less than 2% of evangelical uh, Christians in outreach, where less than 2% of people um, in that country have heard the gospel uh, and are actively uh, sharing it. So I think Lane here has got a story. So I love this song that Jeff sung about... um, um, wherever you lead me, wherever you want me, Lord, um, all I want is you. I have a really cool kind of personal example of that. I, some of you know that my family, I have family who are missionaries, uh, my uncle and aunt, and they're two boys, and they've been in some pretty volatile places because they told the Lord, wherever you want me, wherever you lead me, all I want is you, and they, they relied on him, and the Lord said, okay, I'm going to send you then. And he sent them to these unreached people groups that we have on all of our cards, the less than 2%, and he sent them to some people groups that weren't just, like, didn't know God, they, they didn't like God. And God said, they need me too. I love them too. And so they sent them. And um, to put it into perspective, as we pray through these prayer points that, and that you have there, um, the safety for Christians and the, the tolerance for the gospel, that's, that's bigger than we can ever imagine. The, the story is um, they lived in a house for a while with their two boys um, in a really, really bad part of Africa. There was a civil war going on um, and it was Muslims versus Muslims. And the only thing they agreed on is that they hated Christians. And my uncle and aunt and two boys were Christians. And uh, they had to live in this house and they had a barn beside their house. And the only purpose of the barn was a really big cabinet in the back that was uh, full of guns and ammunition and uh, other stuff to protect them. And they had a helicopter pad behind their house. And they had a helicopter on call with the IMB because literally any moment at a 15 minute notice, they might need to be evacuated. And they lived in that for two and a half years with two kids, raising two kids who didn't know how to talk and speak. And they did that by relying on God. And I believe that they did that because so many people were praying for them. We were praying for them, people at Bellevue were praying for them, other family was praying for them. And so all of that to say, like, we can't imagine what's going on out there. And we can't imagine what people like us, our family members, our friends are going through just to share the gospel with people who don't even want to know the gospel. And so as we pray through this, just please remember that, remember that we don't know what's happening, but we know that God does. And we know that we can't control anything, but God can. And we know that we're not safe, but we're protected and because of God. And that's what he gives to us. So as y'all pray through those, those prayer points, just please remember that it, it means something that you pray. So um, pray however you want, uh, on your knees, standing up, uh, just in your seat, just connect with the Lord in the way that you can connect with the Lord and just know that he hears you and everything you say, and it makes a difference. So thank you. Father, it's hard to even imagine or even think that there's somebody on this planet that doesn't know you. But Father, we have been reminded of the truth that there are nations, 
whole nations that have never heard your name or your gospel. And Lord, we are on our knees and asking, God, that you would do something incredible, either through us, Father, through the work of your Holy Spirit, such that those that have never heard the name of Jesus would. Father, they would hear that amazing gospel, that you love them, you care for them, that you died on a cross to pay the penalty for their sins so that they would have eternal life. Lord, we pray that that gospel message would spread. And Lord, I ask that you would burden us to the point of moving. God, that you would instill in us a desire to see those in other countries and other ethnicities, God, that they would hear the gospel. God, use us. Burden us. And Father, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that we would um, unite our hearts into a mission, unite our hearts into a task, God, that you place before us a burden. Father, help us to own it and to stand up and to walk in obedience. And Lord, thank you so much for this sweet moment of prayer, this sweet moment where we get to be mindful of a nation and to pray for them. I just pray for Afghanistan. That's the nation I have. God, I pray that you would allow Afghanistan, who has gone through so much turmoil in the past couple of months, God, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, that your glory would be declared to them, and that your those Christians that are there, missionaries that are going, God, I pray that you empower them and encourage them in these days. May your message be declared to the people of Afghanistan. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully you would take that card and let that card be a reminder to you of what to pray for. Because so so many times you come to moments like this and it says, pray for the nations. Which one? (laughs) God gave you that one. God gave you that one. So put that one in your Bible. Put that one somewhere where you could be reminded in the different moments. I need to be praying for Afghanistan. That's the one I have. I need to be praying for them, that they would, that somebody in that country would be able to hear the message of the gospel. You know, uh, in pre- preparing for this night and us believing and, and just kind of seeing what God would do, we would talk about and hear testimonies of people that have gone to different nations who have gone into these places to share the gospel. Some of you are sitting in that seat and thinking, why could that not be me? Some of you may be sitting there thinking, but I, what about me? I, I think I should go. I would love to have a mission trip story. I've never had a mission trip story, or maybe some of you have have. But I, I want to speak to the ones that are in the room that are carrying a burden. You are carrying a burden in your heart when you see a globe or you see a picture of a someone of a different country or different ethnicity, your heart is burdened for them. And I'm not talking about more than just a, oh, look, they live in Afghanistan. No, I'm talking about a holy burden, a burden that only comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in the depths of your heart. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are not there, and that's okay. But there are some in the room that are sitting there thinking, The nations need to know Jesus. The nations need to know Jesus, and I'm the one. 
Some of you are thinking that. Some of you are believing that about yourself. And you're thinking that I'm the next missionary. I'm the next one. I don't know where I'm going, but I know that one of those flags that are up there, or those countries that are represented there, you're probably, I'm going, to, I want to go there. And I don't want to go there for like a tourist trip or to, you know, hang out on the beach. I want to go because there are people that are dying and going to hell there, and I need to tell them about who Jesus is. That's the holy burden that I'm talking about. So I was thinking about, I think about this passage in Scripture, Romans 10, starting in verse 12. For there is no, this is Paul writing to the Romans, and Romans is probably one of the most foundational uh, books of the Bible as it relates to our theology and the reason why we should tell others about Jesus. He says, Paul says this, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. In other words, what he's saying is that it doesn't matter who you are. There's no distinction. Back in those days, it was the Jews who were the ones that were destined for heaven and the Gentiles who were not. They were outcasts. They were considered to be outcasts. And Paul is saying what Jesus did on the cross is for all people. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or a Gentile, if you know him or don't know him. It doesn't matter. Christ died for all people. And that's what Paul's saying is that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord above all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes on to this. This is the part where I think it may be a calling on somebody's heart. This passage of scripture I'm fixing to read is probably going to come out of your chest for some of you. How then are they to call on him in whom they have never believed? Question mark. How are they to believe in him who they have not heard? Question mark. And how are they to hear without a preacher? Question mark. But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Question mark. Just as it is written, get this, here it is. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Are your feet willing to move to the nations? Now, I'm going to I'm going to ask a really bold question that's going to cause many of you great angst and anxiety, but here's what I believe. That what I'm fixing to ask you to do, if you are truly being called by God, there will be a, an energy that will come about you that tells you to get up out of your seat, All right? I... How, how are you to be called if you're not called upon? If some of you are feeling called to missions, called to this task of taking the gospel to the nations, this is one of those missions that comes deep within. This is something that you don't fabricate because, you know, Costa Rica has a really cool beach and they need to hear Jesus. No, this is one of those callings that comes deep within and is fueled by the Holy Spirit that simply says, I need you to have beautiful feet in this moment and to take it, the gospel to the nations. And if you are feeling called by God to do just that, 
I'm going to ask you here in just a minute, not yet. I'm going to ask you here in just a minute to stand up. Because I want us to have a moment, one, for us to recognize the call on your life, but also to pray over that calling that's in your life. That you would be so bold to say, from this point forward, my mission in life is to take the gospel to the nations. I want everything in me to be about that. I will go through high school. I will go through college. I will do whatever it takes in order for me to get sent to the nations. Because I want people around me, and I want the people that are on those, the flags on those walls, the nations everywhere, I want to go and share the gospel with them. That's the calling that God is placing on my life right now. This calling is not for everyone, although we are all called to take the gospel, right? We are all called in Matthew 28 to go and to share Jesus. But there are some that are called by God to go to the places where nobody else goes. I'll tell you a brief story of a good friend of mine. This was back several years ago. He said, I'm feeling called to Mongolia. Now, if you know anything about Mongolia, that is a place to go to share the gospel. If you're known for even being an evangelist in Mongolia, they will put you in jail and eventually execute you. It is like one of the bad places to for Christians to live. He felt called on his life to do that. He talked with the International Mission Board. They devised a plan. This is no joke. This is what this guy did. He flew in undercover to Mongolia, went outside into one of the huts, and he would backpack into the backcountry of Mongolia. And he would only stay maybe a night into these country, into these little spots. And he would stop in the village and he would share the gospel with whoever would listen. And then he, under the cover of night, he would move out to another. And word got that the the federales, those people around, the officers were following up the mountain looking for him, looking for him, looking for him. And he would go up in these mountains and find these villages and find these villages and share Jesus and drop Bibles. And he would do these things. And then he would go down a different way. Literally, for 10 days, this is what this cat did. He backpacked in Mongolia, sharing the gospel with whoever and whenever. And then backpacked down, hopped on a plane, and went out. You talk about bravery for any moment that he could be executed. And he felt so called to do that. And it, it really just wrecked his life in a good way. In, in the way of, I never thought I could do anything like that, but under the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit, I went and I was obedient to it. That guy is a walking evangelist. Can you imagine the stories that he's telling? Can you imagine? And even who he's talking to, he's not afraid to share the gospel with anybody. I was so blown away by his bravery. And it was just one of those things that, I, you know, there are some. Not all of us can do that, right? But there are some that God places a burden on our hearts and our lives to take the gospel to the nations. And I'm calling you out. If that's your burden, and maybe you've never told anybody about this calling, Maybe right now you're feeling the calling and you're just wondering, I, I wonder, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. I would encourage you even as what Caleb just said. If the Lord is stirring it up in you, the best thing you could do is walk in obedience to it and just to see what happens on the other side of your obedience. Now, I'm not talking about, I want to also be very clear about what I'm asking you to do. I, I don't want to sugarcoat nothing. Those that, some of you in this room, and I'm looking at some of them, are called to ministry, all right? 
And many of you are have experienced that call to ministry and you have already articulated that call to ministry to us and to other people. But what I'm asking in this moment is for those that have never surrendered to the call of missions. Ministry looks like the local church. Ministry looks like in different, different opportunities. But missions looks like taking the gospel to the nations. And that's who I'm calling out in this moment. And I'm asking in this genuinely Holy Spirit moment, if you believe that God is calling you to the nations, you don't stand up because it's a popularity contest. You don't go to the nations because it's glamorous. You go to the nations because it's hard. And you believe that there is a God who's going to go with you. Y'all, this is a big deal. Do you understand what's happening right here? Do you, do you hear what's happening right here? Um, here's what I'd love to do. I, I want to connect with y'all, and I want to have a moment to even pray with you, to encourage you, um, to come alongside you. I got a, a really cool opportunity for you that I really want to um, share with you. But before I connect with you in, in this, I'm going to ask you to move out of the room here. Just I want us to pray over you. So if you're close to one of these that are standing up, would you go over and just place a hand on the shoulder? Would you just place a hand on the shoulder? And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud for these that are standing and pray that God would give them the boldness and the courage to do whatever it means in the next few weeks, months, years to stand in obedience to the calling that God's placing on their life. Father, how amazing it is to see students who stand up and surrender. God, what an amazing moment that we have just witnessed. God, the calling that you have placed on these. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do more than what we could ever dream of or imagine. And Father, this burden that you have placed on these students' lives to take the gospel to the nations. Father, would you make their feet beautiful? And Father, wherever they lead, or wherever you lead, they will go. And so, God, we give this night to you. We're so thankful for the moment, God. We're so amazed at how you do what you do and only the way that you do it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.